Good day, ladies and gentlemen, as well as our non-conforming friends. You have found the Standalone Podcast, the podcast where we encourage you to laugh a bit with us, listen as we take you on some grand adventure disregarding the norm, and howl at the midnight moon with us when the clouds clear. So, pull up a stump and grab your favorite mug or other drinking vessel and enjoy the show. Thank you. Welcome, everybody. Today on the Standalone Podcast, we will be discussing why this program doesn't always revolve around the news. Um, watering the well, or as the title more appropriately puts it, finding water in the well. Um, and we will, we will be talking about the recommended path forward for the future. Uh, we got some things going on. Got some cats running around. It's a good day. So, my name is Jacob Coons, and today I am drinking regular chlorinated tap water um, in a nice cup. You are watching the Standalone Podcast, crowding around the fire, and I will be back momentarily to begin the show with you. Treason. Part 3. Driving along Route 422 in Pennsylvania, Gear Pileson took a back road hoping to cut out most of the cost of the toll road. Being an old timer who has not yet settled in for the waves that come with the idea that some jack can simply sit at home and make enough money to buy a Bank of America within a decade, he is decidedly on the edge of being a full-on Luddite and living among the ageless mountains, but contemplates the value of having even a ham radio, if only for emergency's sake. Such thoughts are not overcommon for these types of drives on sunny days. A tire pops. Gear pulls the truck to the side of the road and carefully checks his mirror for traffic before opening his door to give the truck a walk around. Dead gum machine, he says with some aggravation coursing through his words as he makes his way around to look at the tire. Upon seeing a flat tire, he opens the passenger door to retrieve his billfold and shut the truck door and starts walking down the street. On their way back from church, the Brown family comes down the street, singing hymns. The van slows to a stop and the window rolls down. Bob Brown asks from across the vehicle, Hello there, do you need a lift? Gear looks to the back seat of the van and sees the kids who are nearly smiling from ear to ear. Sure, he replied. Well, hang tight, Bob said, holding back a good bit of excitement. Let me run the missus and the chillins to the homestead, all right? Gear looked down the road and looked back in the direction of his truck. Sounds good. I'll be somewhere along here. After some minutes, Bob pulls up alongside Gear. Afraid I never got your name, stranger, Bob said with a thick Bostonian accent. I never dropped it, 
Gear said, not removing his eyes from the road in front of him. Bob chuckled. Are you going to get in? Gear stops immediately and gets in the car. Once in, he inspects Bob's seatbelt, and upon seeing he is properly secured, he begins, My name is Gear Matheson. Well, hello, Gear. I quickly cut him off. Gear snapped. Why did you offer to pick me up? Because the good Lord told me to. Thank you everybody for being here today. Um, if you're watching live, you are probably watching on Trovo. If you are not watching live, then you cannot hear the knocking in the background. It is a very windy day, and over the past few weeks we have been uh, shuffling a lot of things around. I don't think this is going to survive like this. <clears throat> We've been uh, shuffling some things around. And the great thing is, when you shuffle things around, you find out what you do and don't need to some degree. More importantly, you find how well organized you are. And as it turns out, uh, we are not half as organized as we have thought we are. And it seems <laughs> when moving the studio, <laughs> we seem to have misplaced it. <laughs> and what this means is um, now, instead, we have decided to set up more or less in a bunker. And, uh, carry on as usual. You may have noticed a couple of episodes back, this change took place. And honestly, we're kind of embarrassed about it around here because it's kind of a big deal professionalism is and more than that being uh on the ball we've had to uh renovate the way we run you know, the whole kit and caboodle, so to speak. And what this means is, this means that some, we, we, we kind of have to go timeless, you know, not without time, but we have to convert things from 
a time time bound system to something a little bit more broad. Oh, the queen is in here. Yes, ma'am. The new elderly cat is in here. I was singing the hallelujah chorus to her. Hallelujah chorus to her. And uh, I replaced the words with uh, you're a kitty instead of hallelujah. But hey, she seems to like all of it. So in figuring out that we have successfully lost the studio and uh, conceded to set up in the bunker where we currently are, this beautiful place, uh, what we have also done is we've also started um, celebrating things that are important to us. Now, <clears throat> I have very much encouraged people to embrace uh, their the patriotism toward America, primarily, principally, because I, I think America is probably, well, almost hands down the greatest country on God's green earth right now. Now, um, with that said, I do think it is well within the bounds of reason to also say that without Christianity, there would be no United States. And if you disagree with me, that's great. That's fine. Please have your opinion. I'm not trying to dissuade you from an opinion. But I do think that it is important to remember that keeping yourself in the loop of I disagree with fill in the blank and I'm preaching to myself here too please don't don't get it all twisted up that you know I'm telling you you have to think this way and I don't preach it at myself no I am principally talking to me right now let's let that stand so we can get caught up in the the fight, the fray that says, you know, you have to be more like me. But I think we have to ask, where does it end? Where does that ultimately end us up? Because it is part of the reason why this program does not revolve around the news. <coughs> Pardon me. Look, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving and we will be taking some time off for Christmas coming up. We got the Christmas decorations up for those of you who are our uh, blindness awesomeness uh i don't really know what else to call you you are you are what keeps radio alive 
And I understand that this is not quite traditional radio, but if you are listening on audio, uh, we do have the Christmas lights up. And uh, I'm sure we, we'll put that up on, like, maybe Instagram or something. Maybe we'll put that up on our Gab. Also, we just started a Minds account, and I'm not trying to do the, all these plugs or anything. No, I'm just, I'm thinking, and I'm giving you my thoughts. Um, and the great thing is, look, I don't think everybody should simply unplug from the quote-unquote matrix. Do I think it's a good idea that we... Uh, become more responsible with how we live? Absolutely. But I don't think that getting out is the goal. And that's what I kind of want to allude to this evening, this morning whenever you're watching this program this afternoon. That's kind of what I want to allude to because I think one of the things that we get caught up in on a cultural level is, you know, uh, we have to break people out of the matrix, you know, and that's where the idea of us versus them really comes into it, you know. They have N, T, and V planned. Uh, we have to, you know, implement A, B, and C. Not to say any of them are good or bad, but I think to some degree we should acknowledge, we should acknowledge that that paradigm is what the media, network media, that's not even the right thing to say. That is what the media dinosaurs, the media entertainment complex, pardon me. In a sense, that's not even really true. So it's probably more of the dinosaur media complex. <clears throat> That is what they have built their empire on. They've built their empire on the news being fickle, the news being unstable, and the fact there are usually more facts than accessible viewpoints that cover those facts. And that's important because when you tune in to your favorite podcaster, both thumbs coming to me, uh, we're expected to know something. We're expected to have some sort of opinion. Not that we don't, not that we shouldn't. But what this means is that things are going to be deeper than they appear. And that's not always easy for people to hear because people want, you know, Dan Rather or Tom Brokaw to water everything down. Now, Dennis Prager, 
I have some issues with Dennis Prager, but I, frankly, I'd love to sit and, you know, smoke a cigar and drink some coffee. With I don't know if the guy drinks coffee. The man is a very, very, <coughs> very, very smart man. <clears throat> Pardon me. The problem is <clears throat> that as soon as you say a name, people want to associate you with that name. <clears throat> and that's not always fair. It's not always right. And I will say it makes for great conjecture. And we have, here at the podcast, we have most definitely done episodes where we speculate and we gather intel if you want to call it that, I call it, I, I like to think of it as mock intel. It's not real, you know, you know, the, 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 it's sarcasm, but not really. It's more just satire, you know, uh, but Dennis Prager observed correctly that to center a program around the news is to relegate that show to a specific time and location. Remove those parameters, and a show can be flexible and enlightening and entertaining in most periods and places. That's part of where we take our mission from. <clears throat> Mostly because I think, you know, we don't have enough quality. We have a lot of quantity. The problem is, how many check boxes does one have to check, if you would? Fill. Fill in. <coughs> so what this leaves me with is the idea that, you know, memes and songs and books and movies and podcasts are all great examples of content, which is why I use them. And when you take the restraints, the constraints, more appropriately, when you take those constraints away and you let the media stand on its own, whatever the content would be, whatever the format is, a song, you know, if you take away the fact that it's a pop song, does the song still stand? If you take away the fact that it's a horror novel, Maybe it's a funny horror novel. I, I don't know. I don't really read horror novels. Um, but the point is they are a form of commentary on a culture. Now, it's, I'm not saying it's direct. I'm not saying it's indirect. I'm not saying it's intentional. I'm not saying it's unintentional. I'm just making an observation to some degree. That's important. Because 
when you're trying to find water in the well. Sometimes you have to ask how to get there. Because there's a an analogy that's <clears throat> called poisoning the well. It's basically you take a drop of poison and you put it in the well. Now you can't use anything that comes from that well. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is being done with media. I think when we poison the well of media, we sacrifice good content. So if we had to look at putting water in the well, watering the well, so to speak, as though the well were a plant, as though the well were something we had to maintain, maybe we should ask, why should people read books? Or why should people read Gulliver's Travel? You know, why should people who want to learn to read English read Gulliver's Travel? Because, you know, Gulliver's Travel was written by a wordsmith. A word builder. He was similar to Shakespeare in this manner, except there were likely nothing alike. <clears throat> of the quotes that I pulled for a previous episode, there were something of 21 quotes, of which I just want to read one. Just one. And I want you to understand this is a form of commentary on an issue. The issue is the lawyer, the idea of the lawyer. So Within this, there is a group of people, and I'm going to probably pronounce the name totally wrong, but it seems that there was a set of people who are horses, akin to horses. They were probably horses themselves, to be upfront about it. But <clears throat> it reads something like this. He asked me, the Hoyam. He asked me, what were the usual causes or motives that made one country go to war with another? I answered, they were innumerable. 
but I should only mention a few of the chief. Sometimes the ambitions of princes who think they have land or people enough to govern. Sometimes the corruption of ministers who engage their masters in a war in order to stifle or divert the clamor of the subjects against their evil administration. Difference in opinion hath cost many millions of lives. For instance, whether flesh be bread or bread be flesh, whether the juice of a certain berry be blood or wine, whether whistling be a vice or a virtue, whether it be better to kiss a post or throw it into a fire. I'm going to jump down a little bit. <coughs> Mostly because there is a particular part I would like to discuss. So I'm jumping down a few paragraphs. I could not forbear shaking my head and smiling a little at his ignorance. He could not understand, the Hoyam could not understand, how among the humans, the, the human could say a thing that wasn't. It goes on, and being no stranger at the art of war, I gave him a description of cannons, culverins, muskets, carabins, pistols, bullets, powder, swords, bayonets, battles, sieges, retreats, attacks, undermines, countermines, bombardments, sea fights, ships sunk with a thousand men. He goes on and on and on. He added, that he had heard too much on the subject of war, both in this and some former discourses. There was another point which was of which a little perplexed him at present. I had informed him that some of our crew left their country on account of being ruined by law, that I had already explained the meaning of the word, but he was at a loss how it should come to pass that the law, which was intended for every man's preservation, should be any man's ruin. Therefore, he desired to be further satisfied what I meant by law and the dispensers thereof, according to the present practice of my country, my own country, because he thought nature and reason were sufficient goals for a reasonable animal as we pretended to be in showing us what we ought to do and what to avoid. <coughs> Pardon me. I assured his honor that law was a science wherein I had not much conversed further than by employing advocates in vain upon some injustice injustices that had been done me. However, I would give him all the satisfaction I was able. This is where I think we should pay attention. I said, 
There was a society of men among us, bred up from their youth in the art of proving by words multiplied for the purposes that white is black and black is white according as they are paid. To this society, all the rest of the people are slaves. For example, if my neighbor hath a mind to take my cow, he hires a lawyer to prove that he ought to have my cow from me. I must then hire another to defend my right, it being against all rules of law that any man should be allowed to speak for himself. Now, in this case, I, who am the right owner, lie under two great disadvantages. First, my lawyer, being practiced almost from his cradle in defending falsehood, is quite out of his element when he would be an advocate for justice, which as an office unnatural, he always attempts with great awkwardness, if not with ill will. The second disadvantage is that my lawyer must proceed with great caution, or else he will be reprimanded by the judges and abhorred by his brethren, as one that would lessen the practice of the law. And therefore, I have but two methods to preserve my cow. The first is to gain over my adversary's lawyer a double fee, who will then betray his client by insinuating that he hath justice on his side. The second is for my lawyer to make my cause appear as unjust as he can by allowing the cow to belong to my adversary, and this, if it be skillfully done, will certainly bespeak the favor of the bench. Now he does go on for another page or so, but this is important because there are many places one may not represent themselves. And I will totally admit that not everybody should. However, I must here advocate for education. There's a saying Ignorance is no excuse under the law. Now, here's the great thing. Jonathan Swift, the man who wrote the book we just read from, he was a pursuer of knowledge and a fiend for understanding. We know this because the way he composes the entire work weaves a story of sadness. You should go read the last chapter for yourself. I think that every person who wants to learn English should do just that. They should read Gulliver's Travel because By the time you get to the end of the book, 
you almost feel sorry for the guy. Almost. So what's the path forward? <coughs> Pardon me. I say we teach the next generation about the hardships of the past, but also teach them how to overcome. Don't just teach them how to use the axe, so to speak. Teach them how not to use the axe. Show the discrepancies in agendas, but also show them how to build a truth conscious agenda. Explain how people manipulate power to manipulate people, but also explain how power is in itself neither good nor bad. Draw off the conversation in the fight, but ward off the fight in the conversation. And yes, I'm very much speaking to myself right here. These are just some notes that I've jotted down, you know, and pass forward the knowledge that not everything taught will always be applicable, but everything understood will have to be learned. Because being taught does not equal learning and being learned does not equal another has taught you or me the thing being taught does not equal learning and being learned does not mean another has taught you or me the thing. And I think that's about where we're going to leave off the video part of the podcast for this week, this day, this episode, and go strictly to audio, where I will be reading a piece from the McGuffey's Six Eclectic Reader. And this is a great series, by the way. Um... <clears throat> It's actually, the piece is called The Memory of Our Fathers. And uh, I think when you read, the, the, the Eclectic Reader is a, it's basically a school grade uh, guide to building better readers, you know? so. Be sure to, uh, if you are not listening on Spotify, jump over to Spotify because that's where this is going to take place because, you know, a lot of these platforms like to uh, kick people off and I'm not particularly fond of, you know, having to continually go back and set up a new account and, you know, try to find the videos that I've done. So instead... I'm just giving this group of people something a little bit special because I'm, we're growing the empire, so to speak. Not, literally not an empire. We're just mountain men 
making a living. So, <clears throat> remember the standalone podcast airs as a live stream. And if you are interested in supporting the standalone podcast, be sure to click the like and subscribe buttons, whether you are watching on BitChute or YouTube or any other platform. If you're listening on Spotify, uh, be sure to leave a five-star um, review. That's not what it is. Five-star rating and a review. And uh, we will read your review if you leave it. Well, as long as, you know, we can weed out the obscenities. So, if you are listening on Spotify, we are going to give you just a few minutes to re-up on the munchies and top off the drink, and we will be back around the fire momentarily. And thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to bring the croutons. My name is Jacob Coons, and you are listening to the Standalone Podcast. And we are on. I have to find the. Uh... Oh, here we go. Okay. So this isn't terribly long, but I just found this. I read through this the other day and I thought it would be very appropriate to share. So what What I think is that sometimes we can overlook really good ideas because we don't know what to do with them. And I think this exhibits that very well. This is called The Memory of Our Fathers, written by Lyman Beecher. We are called upon to cherish with high veneration and grateful recollections the memory of our fathers, both the ties of nature and the dictates of policy demand this. And surely no nation has ever less occasion to be ashamed of its ancestry or more occasion for gratulation in that respect for while most nations trace their origin to barbarians the foundations of our nations were laid by civilized men by christians many of them were men of distinguished families of powerful talents of great learning and of preeminent wisdom of decision of character and of most inflexible integrity and yet not infrequently they have been treated as if they had no virtues while their sins and follies have been seduced 
sedulously immortalized in satirical anecdote. The influence of such treatment of our fathers is too manifest. It creates and lets loose upon their institutions the vandal spirit of innovation and overthrow. For after the memory of our fathers should have been rendered contemptible, who will appreciate and sustain their institutions? The memory of our fathers should be the watchword of liberty throughout the land. For imperfect as they were, the world had before not seen their like, nor will it soon, we fear, behold their like again. Such models of moral excellence, such apostles of civil and religious liberty, such shades of the illustrious dead looking down upon their descendants with approbation or reproof, according as they follow or depart from the good way, constitute a censorship inferior only to the eye of God, and to ridicule them is a national suicide. The doctrines of our fathers have been represented as gloomy, superstitious, severe, irrational, and of licentiousness, and of licentious tendency. But when other systems shall have produced a piety as devoted, a morality as pure, a patriotism as disinterested, and a state of society as happy, as have prevailed where their doctrines have been most prevalent, it may be in season to seek an answer to this objection. The persecutions instituted by our fathers have been the occasion of ceaseless obloquy upon their fair fame. And truly it was a fault of no ordinary magnitude that sometimes they did persecute. But let him whose ancestors were not ten times more guilty cast the first stone. And the ashes of our fathers will no more be disturbed. Theirs was the fault of the ages, and it will be easy to show that no class of men had at any time, at that time, excuse me, approximated so nearly to just apprehensions of religious liberty, and that it is to them that the world is now indebted for the more just and definite views which now prevail. The superstition and bigotry of our fathers are themes on which some of their descendants themselves far enough from superstition, if not from bigotry, 
have delighted to dwell. And when we look abroad and behold the condition of the world compared with the condition of New England, we may justly exclaim, would to God that the ancestors of all nations had been not only almost, but altogether such bigots as our fathers were. Truthfully speaking, <clears throat> that's the kind of speech that will get you kicked out when it comes to bastions of hate. Places like Twitter. Now you can you can you can take the opposing argument and say they're a private company they can do whatever they want and I would be forced to agree with you the problem is even they don't for if they did it would be very hard for them to rationalize having murderers, recruiters, allowed on platforms, but kicking comedians off. Look. Fairly well. But let's not parade it around as though there's a belief in the right to speak freely. Then again, Maybe I have the whole thing confused. And that is what I hope. I hope I have it confused. I hope there's just a simple lack of clarity. Because it means there's an opportunity for me to learn. And at that rate, good for them. Until I know, maybe it's good to ask some questions. So, if we can agree, that maybe it's time to ask What's going on? Maybe we should ask what's going on and expect them to answer. On the other hand, 
maybe we shouldn't have our expectations too high. Maybe we should simply build a new sandbox. Look, follow me on Mines. Follow me on Gab. Hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving. I will see you all in the next episode. Thank you all for tuning in. My name is Jacob Coons Jr. And you are listening to the Stand Alone Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.